When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Space Punks podcast number eight. In today's podcast, we will be speaking about some black holes, some NASA news, some ESA news, and some other cool things about the universe. So I'm going to propose a question to you about black holes instead of telling you exactly what they are, because you can get that information on Wikipedia pretty easily. Um, so a black hole is a supernova that's collapsed, kaboom, explosion, things swirling around in a Grecian disk. So what's in the middle of a black hole? Super, super, super dense gravity sucks everything into it. So what created that gravity? Is it dark matter? We're actually not sure what causes gravity. Like what is gravity? It's an essential force in the universe, but there's no reason for it to exist other than that it does just kind of exist. So, I guess that's the question. Where does this gravity come from? What's in the center of a black hole? If you go to the center of a black hole and keep going, where do you go? Is there another universe? Is there another black hole on the other side that's sort of like another funnel that shoots you out? Who knows? We will never know. Only theoretical physicists have ideas of what it could be. And we'll jump into that topic uh, in another podcast. And we'll, I'll dedicate a whole uh, podcast to the theory of... Um, what's in the center of a black hole, and what happens when you go through the black hole to the other side. That was supposed to be scary science fiction noises, but, you know, I don't have a, an effects budget, so you get my sweet voice making sweet black hole noises. So let's bring it back down to Earth a little bit, and let's talk about the space launch system from NASA. It went through the critical design phase and it's heading forward in the design and testing of uh, new systems to that uh, rocket. And don't worry if you've never heard about the SLS before. Well, it's just kind of the biggest rocket and the most powerful rocket ever built. And on top of this rocket is going to be the Orion spacecraft, which will take humans to Mars for the first time, if the good old USA has anything to say about it. And NASA wants to start sending things to... Mars around the 2030s, so they got to get this stuff done now, so the thing is ready to shoot people that far into our solar system. Now, they got through with the uh, SLS Block 1 examination, and that's uh, the Block 1 configuration will have a minimum of a 70 metric ton uh, lift capacity and be powered by twin boosters and four RS-25 engines, and the next upgrade that's planned uh, is Block 1B, and it would be a more powerful uh, exploration upper stage for the rocket. Block 2 will add a pair of advanced solid or liquid propellant boosters to provide a 130 metric ton, or that's 143 tons, uh, of a lift capacity. And in each configuration, the SLS will continue to use the same core stage and four RS-25 engines. 
I'm going to quote John Honeycutt here, and he said, this is a major step in the design and readiness of the SLS. Our team has worked extremely hard, and we are moving forward with building this rocket. We are qualifying hardware, building structural test articles, and making real progress. Critical design reviews for the uh, individual SLS elements of the core stage, boosters, and engines were completed successfully as part of this milestone as well, and uh, also as part of the CDR, the uh, program concluded the core stage of the rocket and launched vehicle stage adapter. It will remain orange, the natural color of the insulation that will cover these elements instead of painting them all white. In the core stage, which is 200 feet tall, it's a little bit taller than 200 feet tall, and it has a diameter of 27.6 feet. That's huge. And it'll carry a cryogenic liquid hydrogen and liquid oxygen fuel um, for the rocket's four RS-25 engines. That's a huge core. And if you want to know all the information that there is to know about the SLS, go to nasa.gov slash SLS. And in ESA news, also Hubble news, and also it's also a little bit of NASA going on in there, uh, we have some uh, new images from Jupiter, and apparently its great red spot is shrinking. It's getting a little bit smaller. In these new images that uh, the Hubble has captured, uh, there is a broad range of features, including wind, clouds, and storms. The red spot um, has shrunk so far that it's 240 kilometers smaller than it was in 2014. And uh, spot size is not the only change that has been captured by Hubble. At the center of the spot, uh, which is uh, less intense in color than it once was, an unusual wispy filament can be seen spanning along the entire width of the vortex. Uh, this filamentary streamer rotates and twists throughout the 10-hour span of the Great Red Spot image sequence that's up on uh, spacetelescope.org. And... Um, uh, it's distorted by winds that are blowing at 540 kilometers an hour. Now, if I may be so bold, I'd like to call those winds astronomical. But wait, there's more. In a uh, new image, there's a rare wave structure of a type that has been spotted only once before on the planet. And that was spotted by the Voyager 2 spacecraft, which launched in 1977. Uh, so the Voyager spacecrafts, Voyager 1 and 2, are out there um, out in space, and they have the Golden Record, which has a, uh, a brief synapsis of Earth on it. So if aliens ever do find them, then they'll know where to find us and hunt us down. I mean, make us uh, peaceful friends with them. And uh, part of that, uh, that Golden Record was made uh, by Carl Sagan. Well, he didn't actually physically make the record, but he was part of the team that got together the information to send out there on the record. And I would suggest that if you're ever in the Ithaca, New York area, uh, near Cornell University, um, you can visit Carl Sagan's grave. I did it this summer, and it was it was a really cool experience. Um, people would leave parts of his book, um, Cosmos, up there for him, and uh, little space shuttle toys and you know, handwritten notes I found on the grave, but it was, it was a pretty cool experience. I drove about two and a half hours up there, and uh, it, was, it was worth it. But you know what's really cool is that you can see the spot from Earth if you use a telescope. Um, I had a 12-inch Dobsonian telescope last summer, and um, 
I just happened upon Jupiter one night. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I'm kind of new to the whole deal. And I pointed it up in the sky and I, was, I tried to find Jupiter. Happened upon it. And you can sort of see it. It's really cool. You can see another planet. That's insane. And I could see the moons and everything. But you can see the spot. You can see the red spot for sure. So if I were you, um, check it out. You know, either If you don't have your own telescope, go find a university that has... Um, an open night that you can go check out their equipment because some of those telescopes are gigantical. They're amazing. They're amazing pieces of hardware. And you'll be able to see things that you will never, ever be able to see with your backyard telescope. Now, that being said, if you do have a backyard telescope, take the time, get a star chart. Um, I actually have the uh, this book right here. It's called The Practical Astronomer. And it has... Um, information you can hear the hopefully you can hear the pages because that's cool audio right um, has information about how to view these things uh, again the book is called the practical astronomer um, I use it all the time it's about 20 bucks on Amazon brand new you can get it you can get it used for much cheaper but the um, I'm actually looking through it right now it's really great and I use it like I said all the time there's some a uh, little bit of feedback and uh, some uh, sound effects for you if you want to hear the book. Um, but yeah, it has great visuals, great information, charts in there, everything you'll ever need to ever see anything in our solar system if you have a telescope powerful enough. Um, and I guess I'm going to wrap it up there because I really enjoy talking about amateur astronomy. And... Uh, Maybe next time we'll talk about a little bit more about how to get started with that because that's it's kind of important to see the things on your own instead of staring at a computer screen and seeing digital artwork that somebody else has made. Though that stuff is beautiful, there's nothing like the real thing. I mean, the first time that I pointed my telescope at Saturn and I saw the rings of Saturn, I literally almost cried. My eyes watered up. No tears fell, but it was beautiful. And I want you all to experience that. Here's hoping for clear skies. And remember that the only limit is your imagination. I'm William Walden, and this has been Space Punks, episode number eight. <laughs>